0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Intersection podcast. Delighted to have you here today. In this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Heather Edmund Reeds, the Assistant Director of International Programs at Augustana. In addition to contents from the last episode, Heather shed some light on what the process is like for international students once they've deposited at a school and are looking to take the journey across cultural and geographic lines. Continue listening until the end of the episode to get a quick breakdown of what to expect from the application. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Anti-Section Podcast. As always, my name is Henry Suley. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I am joined by Heather Reed. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Um, So my official title is Assistant Director of International Programs. Um, and that is um, primarily with International Student Services or ISS as the international education world would call it. Um, I'm an international student advisor so I support students once they arrive in the US um, from the moment they get out of out of the airplane um, until they graduate and beyond.
0: Nice. I can see that Personally, like, you've done just more. That's the very technical part of your job. But the more personal part of your job is you create communities for the students that come here. You also run the ACE Ambassador Program, the Augustana Cultural Exchange Program, with the others in the IPO. And that just creates a sense of community for all the international students that do come here. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it's the best part of the job is helping you all feel comfortable Um, Have a space to feel community um, and to be empowered to make an impact So it's the best part of the job actually
0: (laughs) (laughs) I definitely see that but just a fun way to start the interview What's something fun you like to do and there's one specific one that I'm referring (laughs) to and I think you know what I'm talking about
1: Yeah, Um, Most of my students know this even before they arrive. Um, I think it's a part of our intro email Uh, I like running (laughs) And I encourage everyone that I, well, anybody, doesn't matter if I care about them or even know them, um, I encourage everyone to run. Um, it's just such a magical way to connect with um, the outdoors mm-hmm. and also with yourself.
0: Yeah. And when did you start running?
1: Um, it'll be only six years ago, in, okay. in fact. And my, you know, I advise young people all the time. Uh, When I was a college student, if I had told my 18-year-old self that I would have run a marathon and would be training for a second one, I would never have believed you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm an adult-onset runner, and I just think it's wonderful to think that you could become something you would never imagine, um, no matter what age you are. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good lesson in that as well.
0: So besides running, which is a very adrenaline-filled activity, you also work with uh, international students, which is another very, I think, <laughs> <laughs> high-stakes, <laughs> <laughs> adrenaline-filled opportuni- um, activity. So I guess, could you speak to a little bit of the overview f- from your part, or at least your knowledge, what it takes for an international student once they've deposited, or kind of the process it takes from getting them from home to a university in the United States?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I think a person who wants to study in the United States, they just have something a little bit different about them. They see the United States as this land of opportunity,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and they have the support from someone in their life to encourage them to pursue that. Um, I think there's a lot of Internet searching and a lot of sort of throwing darts, um, you know, at a very large dartboard and hoping one of them lands. Mm -hmm. Um, The student apply to probably a lot of colleges.
0: 20 if you're me.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that that's totally atypical. Um, In interacting with a lot of different admissions counselors, Mm -hmm. I think that Wade does a wonderful job of actually developing a relationship and engaging in dialogue with students. I think that's really important for students to feel seen and heard and to feel safe going to a new university. I think something that's not discussed often like how do you even know that you're applying to someplace that's really legitimate and that's mm-hmm. going to take care of you and in some ways you don't know um, and so that admissions counselor is really important uh, once once they've been accepted they've been offered financial and some kind of financial aid package, They've been offered a document called an I-20, which is essentially an invitation Mm -hmm. to apply for an F-1 student visa. Uh, They have to go and um, go to a U.S. embassy to apply for that visa uh, with a large amount of documents to show that they can financially support themselves in the U.S., um, that they have the academic success in their past uh, to be admitted. And they have to be ready to answer a lot of different questions. Um, Sometimes they get asked one question, um, they just really don't know what they're going to face. So if they're lucky enough to be told yes to get that stamp that says yes you get a visa, uh, they book their plane ticket and show up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Henry previously mentioned the ACE ambassador program and when they arrive in the U.S. um, they're generally picked up by a peer student, um, an upperclassman. Often it's a combination of domestic and international upperclassmen students uh, and we take our job seriously at the IPO to help that student feel welcome and wanted the moment they arrive in Sioux Falls. I don't know if you want me to say more.
0: I think you covered it broadly. Um,
1: Anything specifically? Questions? Um,
0: no, I guess all the forms i don't know if you know about all if you how much your knowledge is on all the forms the service the yeah uh what else is there all the visa fees
1: yeah there are i mean honestly an international student would be the best person to yeah. um, answer this question in my opinion because i you know support students in this journey but i certainly have not endured it myself okay there are fees there are forms there's a lot of waiting
2: mm-hmm.
1: um Even simply getting a visa interview can be a nerve-wracking experience because there's not that many openings. Mm -hmm. And, of course, COVID created a whole new level of frustration, um, confusion, and uncertainty regarding all of that. I mean, getting to go to college in the U.S. for an international student is not a given. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's kind of a combination of determination, hard work, and sprinkle of magic and belief when a student actually gets off of an airplane and we get to welcome them, Mm -hmm. is the truth.
0: Yeah. Because I know for mine, I didn't, it was almost, it was a high stress situation from the moment I was accepted. And then I had to defer because of COVID. And then like, right in that space, it was always waiting for the embassy to open or not. And then I finally got the interview, but it was still like, Still high stress, like oh, would I get it? Would I get denied? And even when I got the visa, I was like, okay, now I have to stay this long without getting COVID and hoping that the the airports don't close or that I don't get COVID and then I get denied. And then I got on the plane and that was still like, it's not secured yet because I could get rejected at the border.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think they pulled me aside for a little bit at Chicago, and I was like, oh, am I gonna go back? And then it it didn't feel secured comfort until I like got landed in Sioux Falls and I got off the plane and I saw Liz my ace ambassador and I was like "Whew!" so that was like a whole month of just stressing and just a journey
1: totally I mean the 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 uncertainty is just so significant and the dream is so big
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, it's got to be really a a period of turmoil and anxiety um, for all students trying to get here so yeah We are so grateful when when they arrive.
0: Yeah.
1: When, like, people like Henry arrived.
0: (laughs) I think you saw me when I was not at my best. (laughs) I was running on five hours of sleep over a course of three days. So that was not fun.
2: Yeah.
0: But, yeah, um, I guess you mentioned having wade being that person who kind of provides a face for the university and like is kind to international students to show them that people actually care for them before they come to give them that sense of confidence before they actually decide to select this university so what following that train of thought when the students do come here how do you follow up on that established sense of confidence and like um just helping students feel like this is actually a place that's being supported through the ipo
1: yeah Um, Before the students arrive, they start receiving correspondence from me. So we call it the handoff in the IPO. Wade spends a lot of time cultivating that relationship with the student, and then he hands them off to me. And so my job is to keep up that excellent level of care and service that that Wade has provided to them, uh, answering questions via email. I'm about ready to start sending emails off to our new students coming in August, um, offering to go over their schedules with them and answer any questions they have, Um, and we'll do those via Zoom. Uh, And I'll set up, I mean, I would say 70 to 80 percent of all of our new students do take me up on that offer, so I just set time aside. Uh, We do things like have uh, ACE Ambassador meetings over the summer. Mm -hmm. We set up WhatsApp groups for the ACE Ambassadors and the new students to engage with each other and for the new students to uh, ask questions. And uh, once they arrive, we do a very robust uh, new international student orientation where we make it really clear to the students uh, we're here for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We give them a lot of support like I said, right from that first moment they step off the airplane, and that orientation process is an opportunity for them to see that, like, we really mean what we said. We're here for them. We're supporting them. We're guiding them, giving them education on how to succeed as a student in the U.S., and in in particular at Augustana. And then, you know, being that person that if a student, you know, sends me a text message on a Saturday night because something's going wrong, like, I answer that text message. Um, we provide ongoing orientation to students where they get to meet me once a week as a group, um, where I continue to educate them on methods to help them succeed as students mm-hmm. throughout their whole journey as a student at Augustana and beyond. Um, and just providing lots of engagement and um interpersonal connections with students. I I see students all the time. They come to my office a lot, and that's great. I want them to feel like they can do that.
0: Nice. And so with that, I already know that the Augustana University's International Programs Office is the best, and it's amazing. But for students that are applying to maybe not Augustana, but like any other school, what would you recommend they look for in their International Program Office or any other kind of institutions at their school to know that this is a good place where they'll be supported because I mean that you you did mention it it is a concern like when you're coming here there are a lot of things you don't know this is a new space so having people like that and a space that supports you is integral at least that's what I realized and I didn't know that when I started applying but I found that I think I got lucky because I got like an IPO that really cares so what would you recommend for students that are applying and still looking for schools and what they should look for in terms of an IPO?
1: Definitely. Uh, We have lots of students who tell us they have friends or family who've gone to other universities or they've gone to another university before they came to Augustana and they're always telling us how great we are in Mm. comparison to everyone else, um, which is a lovely compliment. Um, So for me, some of the things that I hear from my students would be how do they support your students? Um, I have lots of, of students who've told me that the IPO doesn't answer their phone. I mean, this is a simple thing, but like, if you call the IPO office of an institution you're looking for, at, mm-hmm. do they answer the phone? If they're not answering the phone or at least calling you back in a few days, maybe you should be concerned. Are you getting personalized emails? Uh, from your guidance or your admissions counselor that address your specific questions and that don't seem like they're just 100% automated. Of course, everyone's going to send automated emails, but are they engaging with you as an individual person? Uh, Check out their social media accounts. Do they have a social media account? Does that social media account look like it's student-oriented? Uh, do the do they look like they're lifting up their international their current international student population? Those would be some things that I would guide an international student looking to come to the U.S. Those are indications that there is support.
0: Nice, and I think we've reached a monumental period in your career because this graduating class at Augustana was the first class you were an advisor to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what's that experience been like for you, and what does it feel like now to see them at the end of their journey? You saw them when they first got here.
1: Totally. they. I remember them arriving and seeing their faces completely in shock <laughs> of what they had truly signed up for. Uh, and I listened to their stories of back home, and I watched those students just, like, Seek every opportunity. They just worked so hard these last four years. Uh, They sacrificed so much, and um, to see them, like, have the... So many of them have such an exciting, successful journey ahead of them. So many great job opportunities, and they absolutely deserve it because they have put the work in. Uh, It's just... It's really a joy to watch people at this stage of life and to be... In any way supportive to people in their college years, um, so much happens, so much changes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so many formative experiences occur um, and it's just beautiful to see where they start and where they end up
0: That's amazing, and you call us all your children, <laughs> and you have your three <laughs> children of your own, and it's it's still phenomenal that you like take us in and you all you're mothering us the child mother, as Maria calls you, but like you're still there for us, but like you're in the mud and the dirt with us. You're filling out all those CPT forms and many, many forms with us, so thank you again.
1: Oh, it's an honor, and the thing that I, I call my own three children, my biological children, mm-hmm. um, I always think about the moms and the dads and the families back home, and I think if I were to send my child off to a country, Um, a campus sight unseen um, what would I want Mm -hmm. my child to arrive to Uh and so in some ways as much as it's really fun to hang out with all of these amazing phenomenal college students Uh uh, I feel like my work is a lot for the families back home even if I never get to meet those parents and that family that's supporting them so yeah it's I just feel like I'm an extension of The families back home.
0: Yeah, that's really fantastic. And I guess backtracking a little bit, did you always know you would go into uh, starting an international, being part of an international programs office and doing this kind of work?
1: No. um, I went to a small liberal arts college called Lawrence University. It's in Wisconsin, very much like Augustana. We had a robust international student um, population at Lawrence, and many of them are still my friends. Uh, I went off to Japan after college. I taught there for three years, really liked that. Um, Liked teaching, so I went and got a master's degree in teaching. It's funny because, like, when I was at Lawrence, I was the manager of the information desk, uh, and and I was the boss of a bunch of international students. For whatever reason, international students always worked at the info desk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I was on like task force. I was in student government. Like, I loved col like I was such an engaged college student. And I, I guess in retrospect, it's kind of weird to me that no one in administration said to me, Heather you should really consider higher education and administration because, like, it totally was perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was nobody who said that to me. And to be completely honest, no offense, Lawrence University, (laughs) because I love Lawrence (laughs) University. I feel like someone at Augustana would have said that to me, Mm -hmm. at least, you know, now. Um, So I think something Augustana does really great is, like, providing career guidance to Mm -hmm. students. So I think it was sort of my destiny without me realizing it. Um, I was a teacher for a while, and the, this magical woman named Billy Struford, who is um, the executive director of the Success Center, uh, she just told me about a job posting, and it was, you know, a part-time job in this place called the International Programs Office at Augustana, and I was taking some time off from teaching to be with my youngest son, mm-hmm. and I had the time to do it, and it was pretty low, low risk, and not as much time because I wanted more time with my kids at that time, and sort of the rest is history. And I kind of think, wow, this really should have been my job (laughs) all along. Um, But I'm grateful for all the things I did before that, for sure. Um, So it's a good opportunity. I tell students, like, just because you didn't land in the the thing you're supposed to do immediately after college, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll find your path. Your path will find you. Just be open to opportunities, so.
0: What are some of the bigger challenges you've encountered along the way in being an IPO person?
1: Um, The biggest challenge that I face on a daily basis is time constraint. Mm. Uh, I have a lot of student advisees, which is a wonderful, quote, problem to have. But I really do want to provide students with the support they need. And sometimes there's just not enough of me to go around Uh, I have a lot of administrative tasks to do, and I have a lot of student meetings, and I'm always going to pick the student meetings over hanging out in the spreadsheets and counting the students and all that stuff, (laughs) Um, because when a student comes to me, they need something. Uh, So it's just balancing all of that Mm -hmm. and trying to preserve a little space for myself and all of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I guess... Taking all that you've said and all your experiences so far, if you had one piece of advice, message to give to, this can be Augustana's IPO office or Mm -hmm. institution, any other institution in the world, just like going forward, how to build on what you've said and make spaces more inclusive and accommodating of international students and the international student experience, what would that be? So it's just kind of like a sum of everything you said, if you have anything like that.
1: Yeah. My thoughts on if I were to be able to make things better with a magic wand. Mm -hmm. I think for new students trying to come to the U.S., there's such a lack of transparency. There is a great site called Study in the States. I really recommend students use that, by the way. Um, But... With regard to the visa process, um, sometimes students go to the visa pro- go to their visa interview, they're denied and they're not told why. Mm-hmm. Uh, like more consistency uh, across the board, depending on what embassy you're at. I mean, sometimes students' experience at one embassy versus another is drastic. Unfortunately, I feel like countries, the embassies from. If a country is more affluent, uh-huh. I feel like the embassies tend to be more favorable to students
2: uh-huh.
1: from those more affluent countries. There's an assumption, I think, that's made or more scrutiny given to students who come from countries that perhaps have less affluent um, citizens, that they they just give them more scrutiny.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, it would be nice if... There was just more equity across the board in terms of visa acceptance rates between the different countries, and I don't have data to back that up. A lot of this is just what we hear from, you know, the hundreds of students that we support. And then in terms of when students arrive here, I think something that American students take for granted is the opportunity to just work wherever they want to support themselves. College is expensive. Uh, International students have to face... CURRENCY EXCHANGE RATE PROBLEMS, SOMETIMES IT'S DIFFICULT FOR THEM TO SIMPLY GET MONEY OUT OF THEIR HOME COUNTRY TO PAY THEIR TUITION. Mm -hmm. AND SO THAT EMPLOYMENT PIECE IS REALLY IMPORTANT um, TO INTERNATIONAL STUDENTS. SO PERHAPS OFFERING uh, LESS STRICT GUIDELINES ON EMPLOYMENT. Uh, INSTEAD OF MAKING THE STUDENTS WAIT FOR TWO SEMESTERS BEFORE THEY'RE ELIGIBLE FOR OFF CAMPUS EMPLOYMENT, MAYBE MAKE IT ONE SEMESTER. and universities working to create more international student employment opportunities. Um, ben and a lot of campus partners have done that. Mm-hmm. This, and it's growing every year, but just to keep pushing for that because on-campus employment is so important to international students. And then, you know, after students graduate, many students, unless they're in a STEM field, only have one year of OPT. Perhaps both for the employer and the student, like what kind of flexibility could be offered for students um, if employment is looking positive for both the employer and the student. So, I just think like more transparency, more equity, more opportunities, uh, given how much international students contribute to their campus communities, um, their local communities, the United States economy through paying for higher ed. Like, Mm -hmm. let's acknowledge all that international students give to the U.S. by creating a little more opportunity for them.
0: Yeah.
2: All
1: right.
0: Thank you. That was, I think, that was very good advice, and it was a good culmination of everything you've said so far. So thank you for being here, Heather.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you and your audience.
0: Yeah. Hopefully this gets big and, you know, I think at least it's able to reach a lot of people and provide insight because I think you have said some very important things in regards to what to look for in a school and what is really important when you're going into that search and you're trying to pick where you spend very important and crucial four years of your life. For sure. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: Hello and welcome to the end part of this episode. So Heather gave some phenomenal advice about the process and touched a little bit on what the process is like in terms of forms and procedures. And wherever you are, I strongly encourage you to look up the rules, policies, and requirements based on your specific region and embassy. And that's largely because guidelines can differ from place to place and where you're applying from. That being said, for an overall process based on individual my individual experiences, Granted that I'm not a certified specialist on the matter and someone who just experienced and went through this, this is what you can generally expect in the process. So the first part of it is depositing. Once you've deposited at a school, this is usually money that's centered towards housing, deposit and orientation. And then all the stuff they'll send you leading up to you arriving on campus. Their institution will issue you an I-20 And what an I-20 is, it's a document, a two or three page document that's certifying from your own institution that you are an international student that has committed to studying in the institution and they are acknowledging you to the U.S. government. So it's kind of an informal visa in a way. And this isn't the actual visa. You can't travel with this quite yet, but it will be instrumental in applying for the visa. After that is the service fee and the service fee is the student and exchange visitor information systems, which is basically the database that the U.S. government uses to store information on all international students within the U.S. So this is where they'll basically keep track of you and you can apply for this with using the code that's usually at the top of the I-20 sent to you by your institution. And you can pay for this through money, order and check. There'll be instructions on the document telling you specifically how to pay. When I first had to pay my service fee, I found it difficult because the institutions that were alluded to in the service fee form weren't necessarily there. And a lot of people didn't understand what I was talking about when I would go to the banks or the Western unions. So if that's the case for you, what I did was I found someone I had family who lived in the US, and so I was able to pay it through them. And if that's a challenge you encounter, that's something I'll encourage you to look into as well. So after the service fee is the DS-160, and this is the actual application for a visa. And this is probably the longest and the most you will fill out. So I encourage you to pay attention at this stage, and it will go through everything from what school you're currently going to, what your intentions are in the US, And if you've ever been a terrorist and the honest truth is, I encourage you to be honest and accurate in whatever you're filling out. If you need to look over it two, three times, go for it, because this is instrumental. And if there's anything wrong in this stage, it could be a problem for you later on. And I'm speaking from experience. After this, you'll need to book an appointment. And this is probably the stage where things start getting a little more intimidating, because this is where you're going to meet with someone on the other end of the embassy and they're going to decide whether you will be an international student if they will give you the visa to be an international student or not when you go into your appointment it's usually fairly straightforward you'll put in all the information your receipts and you'll pay a fee and they'll ask you what date you want your appointment if you're like me you might not get the ideal date and it might be a year or a couple of months out from when you're actually planning on going And at this point, you might need to apply for an expedited appointment. And if you've done everything prior to this, so you've gotten your I-20, you've paid for your service and you've gotten your acceptance letter, it should be fairly straightforward. You'll need to submit it in an expedited appointment application. And in about two weeks to a month, they'll get back to you and it might be sooner. And then you can get the date that might be closer to when you actually plan on leaving. There's no guarantee But for the most part, from people I've heard, it's pretty effective. And because the appointments are usually very intimidating and were intimidating for me, I would recommend having mock interviews and this can just be with a friend. I would recommend doing it. Maybe not with someone who's too close to you because it might create a sense of informality where you are trying to practice and brace yourself for those harder questions. So ask someone who is close to you, but who can also be stern. Um, Your admission counselor is a good resource, the international programs office, and anyone really who's willing to help you. And then there's the appointment day. And again, this is probably the highest stakes for international students, but I would encourage you to be honest. For the most part, the things you need to bring with you, again, your I-20, your passport, DS 160 confirmation page, any other documents you were asked to print, they'll give you all this information on the website page. But anything else that you might want to bring, like a bank statement to help support and show that you can actually pay, sometimes they'll ask you for a birth certificate to show that you live in this region and that you have ties to it and you will come back. Sometimes they'll ask you also ask you if you own property or you have property documents. And this might be a little more difficult for International students or high school students that we haven't really gotten into property. If you have, good for you. Then that's fantastic. But if you haven't, finding anything else that shows you might have ties and you actually want to come back. So if you're going to study pre med and you want to come back to be a doctor, I would. That's a phenomenal story to build your whole experience and study journey around. Say so you want to study abroad because you believe it will equip you with the skills to learn how to be a more effective medical practitioner when you come back home the idea is you want to show that you're going to come back home and you're not just running away and if that is what you're trying to do this might not be the podcast for you yeah and after that let's assume and i'm hoping you've gotten your visa now and you're ready to go already So when you're traveling, uh, one thing that's important that I would encourage everyone to do is keep your I-20 on you. So have your I-20, any acceptance letters and documents you've received from your school, as well as your visa. So this ensures that when you're going through, you're able to hand everything off. You shouldn't be able, you shouldn't check it in because then that might create problems when you get to Customs and Border Control. Lastly, University might have some things for you to do, um, just like to do house cleaning items. So vaccine forms, housing forms, enrolling in your classes and giving them details about your flights for pickup. I would encourage you to pay attention to this just because it might help improve your experience and help the other people on the other end who are trying to help make this the best onboarding experience for you. An important note just to keep in mind Do not be afraid to ask questions at this stage. There's a lot going on and many moving parts when you're applying and you're trying to give information to show that you're going to stay and you're not lying or you're not a crook. Ask questions, even if you feel like you're being annoying. It's so much better to ask many questions and feel like you're being annoying and get it all right than to assume Get it wrong and then end up spending more energy and effort fixing a problem that could have been avoided in the first place so look out for that and um, pay attention but also relax don't take yourself too seriously and embrace everything that you're reaching for this is a journey and it's a point in your life where you're growing and you're trying to be your best self so i would encourage you to remember that and to remember what you're working towards And with all that, I think it will be a lot easier to be a lot less nervous. That's my piece. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Look out for any more episodes and I'll see you in the next one.